You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I'm sitting down for a part two with Andrea Jones. Andrea Jones is a registered nurse, functional hormone coach, and inner healing pastor. She has spent the majority of her nursing career in hospital settings before transitioning to nursing education and finally out of the conventional medical system altogether. She now works with women all over the world to uncover the root causes of their hormone imbalances so they can get back to thriving. So Andrea, thanks for being back on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I always love getting to have conversations with you that, um, especially that, you know, benefit your audience. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Now, can I ask you, because even just reading your bio, I wasn't going to ask this, but it just made me want to know, why do you think there's a need for a functional approach to hormone hormones? Because, you know, you, it mentioned, it mentions in your bio that you're finally out of the conventional medical system. And so it might be good for people to hear what's the difference. Why do we want to take a functional approach and where are we in in need of that right now? Absolutely. No, that's a really good question. I'm like, that's like a whole episode on its own. Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> um, but I will try, I will try my best to answer it. So I think, you know, we have to understand conventional, the limitations of conventional medicine, right? So conventional medicine approach is really more symptom management versus getting actually to the root of something. So uh, a huge part of our conventional training, um, you know, as a registered nurse is really how to, you know, not prescribe, but what medications would you give to uh, eliminate symptoms, right? Very rarely, uh, at least to my knowledge and my experience, is there a medication that actually resolves a root cause issue? Um, and so what we're finding, and at least I think this is part of the reason why so many people are actually leaving conventional medicine, practitioners, doctors, nurses, you know, osteopaths, et cetera, they're leaving that system because we're tired of seeing it fail patients. Um, and realizing that, you know, for me, it was there, that thought of there has to be a better way to do this. And, um, and, you know, for me, it was my own hormone disaster, you know, postpartum that really woke me up to that and realized like birth control isn't going to solve this. Um, hormone replacement is not going to solve this. Um, if I don't look at the reasons that got me here in this, you know, to this place, standard American diet, chronic um, stress, unresolved trauma, um, all of those things that impact us on a cellular level. If mm-hmm. I don't address those things, this is not going to change. And no amount of medication or supplementing even is going to fix that. Um, and for me, unfortunately, it took getting to that very low place of, you know, being extremely ill, um, you know, having panic attacks and extreme adrenal fatigue and insomnia and crazy periods that led me to saying there has to be a better way. And then, you know, now we have practitioners like yourself and myself that are really finding that way and like creating it, uh, 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 basically protocols or what have you to condense time for people so that they're not, you know, trying to recover from something that doesn't really have to take that long. So, 
um, you know, a functional medicine approach is really, you know, how are we, how are we supporting the body and the mind and the spirit in a way that improves function? Um, because the body was made to function, right? And so um, how, what are we doing to facilitate optimal function instead of just symptom suppression? That's kind of the nutshell of how I would describe that. Yeah, I think that's really important to understand because I think that, you know, I have a lot of compassion for conventional practitioners because their hands are tied in many cases because insurance is 100%. not going to cover supplements. <laughs> insurance right. isn't going to cover a lot right. of the functional labs that get to the root of what's going on. Um, and even totally we're talking about bigger hospital systems that control what can be done. And I mean, there, it's, there's just a lot at play. It's similar to as a former public school teacher, similar to the education system. There, there are just a lot of, um, yep there are a lot of restraints and, in, in how we can individually practice. Absolutely. And so I do think that that's why we're seeing a push toward the functional medicine approach because many are going, well, wait a minute. I have people that I'm doing all the things that I can do and they're still struggling. It sounds like that's what happened yep. to you. I know that's what's happened to me before. I know it's what's totally. happened to my kids before. So, um, I, I love discussing this just to, again, kind of open that door a little bit for people to understand that there are more solutions. There are always more solutions. Absolutely. So with hormones, how is your period a barometer of the health of your body? Ooh, that's such a good question. I like to think of, um, of our cycles as like our fifth vital sign. And I know I'm not the person that coined that term. I cannot remember where I heard it. So I apologize that I can't give appropriate credit there. Um, but it absolutely is a barometer of our overall health, uh, for a couple reasons. So we know, you know, e based off of anthropological studies, um, that women did not have the symptoms that we currently have hundreds and thousands of years ago, we did not have them. Um, and so then we begin to question, well, why didn't we have them? Like women still had periods, but were they debilitating? Were they, you know, were they not able to farm or hunt or gather or, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, no, they were. And so what are the things that contribute to these symptoms and really what I would call burdens on the body? So when we look at, I'll just kind of simplify it into three kind of primary categories. When we have, you know, symptoms of what your doctor might say is estrogen dominance, um, breast tenderness, painful periods, heavy periods, prolonged bleeding. So like any cycle longer than five days, um, I would consider prolonged, a prolonged cycle, um, menstrual migraines, endometriosis, those kind of all fit in the estrogen dominance category, but estrogen dominance isn't even the root cause. Um, the root cause of that is liver dysfunction and the liver not metabolizing hormones. And you know the role that the liver plays in our mental health, our emotional well-being, our cellular regeneration. Um, so absolutely, if we're having those symptoms, we then need to be looking at what are we, what is contributing to these liver pathways not working properly? Why aren't we metabolizing estrogen and getting it out of the body? Um, and that's when we start to look at accumulated toxins. There are some genetic, uh, variables like the MTHFR mutation is a big one, poor methylation. Um, there's a couple other ones that fit in there that will really do inhibit the liver's ability to actually clear stuff out. Right. So we want to begin looking at that. What are we eating that may be causing the liver to be sluggish or not sluggish? Right. Um, 
And once we start working on those things, it's like the estrogen just begins to balance itself out, um, which then gives progesterone a chance to do its job appropriately. So that those are the symptoms that I would say kind of fall in that liver category. Um, another big one is the gut brain connection. Um, and we can't ignore the role that the vagus nerve plays in that as well. Um, but that gut brain connection is, you know, is vital to whether or not we're going to produce hormones at the right time of the month, whether or not we're going to have bloating, cramping, mood swings is a big one. PMDD, PMS, um, postpartum depression, all of that is like linked in that, that gut brain connection. And so, you know, I think the, the disservice in the medical community is, women, we've kind of been gaslighted into believing that we're not really having these, they're not that bad. And, or we just need to go on birth control to fix it, which absolutely it does not fix it. Um, and it only prolongs the, you know, the experience and the, the dysfunction in the body. And so, um, so if you're having those symptoms, I think the first step is really just waking up and realizing these aren't normal, like they've been normalized, but they're definitely not an indicator of health. And so, and, and how we manage that now is going to impact how we feel as we move through perimenopause and menopause as well. So it's a long game for sure. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned so many good things there. I'm, I've been biohacking my own hormones lately, yes. working through this whole, some perimenopause symptoms that I'm like, what is going on? I know it's estrogen totally. dominance caused by the lack of progesterone. And so what you're saying yep. is at that liver support is key that just the neurotransmitter totally. support B vitamin support. There are so many things that I'm personally playing with. Um, let's, can we talk about Vitex for a second? I've just been nerding out on this lately Mm -hmm. and, um, and how helpful that is in supporting for women who are experiencing low progesterone, which could happen, not just perimenopause. It could happen at any point at any point. Yep. Absolutely. So Vitex, I do love Vitex, um, in, in the sense that it's one of the very few herbs or supplements that actually works on the gut brain ovary communication, um, which is, you know, you can't produce progesterone unless your brain is communicating with your ovaries. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, your brain's not going to trigger that ovary communication unless your gut is communicating with your brain. So I have seen Vitex to be beneficial for women, um, as, uh, not every woman, um, but specifically after we work on healing that gut brain connection. Once, you know, if we've got bacterial overgrowth, if we have a lot of dysbiosis in the gut, chronic stress, um, that will absolutely shut down that communication. Um, in those instances, Vitex tends to not be as beneficial because there's a lot of barriers to the communication. Um, but once we've got, you know, that gut brain connection working really proper, really well, and we can tell because digestive symptoms are, uh, they're very minimal to none at all. Um, we're seeing improvement in mood swings, like overall, you know, there's, a lot of indicators that the gut is working more healthily. Um, if we're seeing that and there's still a little bit of low progesterone, then chase tree can definitely, uh, or Vitex, uh, can be extremely beneficial in that case. Okay. Well, now we are on to one of my favorite topics, which is brain and body communication. But before I ask you a question about that, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by KiwiCo. 
just like we're talking about in this episode and how I am just passionate about optimizing my brain health. I am equally as passionate about optimizing my kids' brain health and giving them chances to play and be creative and design things, but also have fun. Well, KiwiCo is defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously fun. They create super cool hands-on projects designed to create a lifelong love for learning among kids. Each month, KiwiCo delivers crates packed with fun and sparks creativity with kid-friendly topics and activities. The crates cover a ton of interesting topics and provide real hands-on skills for kids to explore. From engineering robots to learning about the science of cooking, there's something for every kid. Discover subscription lines for kids of all ages, ranging from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. Now, my two boys are nine and six, and my nine-year-old got a domino machine. My six-year-old got a mechanical sweeper. The mechanical sweeper for my six-year-old was super fun to make. He did need a little bit of, of help on some of the tiny parts that were difficult for him to get hooked on, but he was thrilled with what he was able to accomplish. He thought it was really cool, and he was so proud of himself. My nine-year-old, on the other hand, took everything into his own hands. The instructions were extremely helpful for him. He read every instruction. He actually had to stop and restart at one point because he missed something. And that caused some frustration for him, but we worked it out because that's part of the creativity process as well and the learning process. And so I was glad that we got to have even that experience together. He put together a domino machine that included even using a battery to start it. And I think that gave him a lot of confidence in his ability to make something that he felt was even beyond what a nine-year-old could typically accomplish. So that was our first crate. We were thrilled with the results. It took up an entire afternoon. I had fun creating things with them and I am not a Lego mom. (laughs) I am not an engineering person at all, but we had a lot of fun exploring these unique projects. I know for me as a parent, it can be really hard to find creative ways to keep my kids busy, challenged, and off of their screens, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together like we did. There's something for kids of all ages. My six-year-old enjoyed it. My nine-year-old enjoyed it. I even enjoyed it. There's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. You can do your part to encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. It's so impactful for the brain to be creating and using it aside from doing something on a screen. They won't believe what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. Give them the tools to learn new skills, build new experiences, and make new connections to the broader world. The best part? watching their confidence grow as big as their smile. And I can attest to that. I have a video of both of my boys after they finished their project and their faces were just filled with wonder at what they'd created. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com spark. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com spark. That's spelled K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash S-P-A-R-K. Now, Andrea, we are talking about the brain and body connection, and that brings to mind the HBA axis. And I think it's really important for me to note that it starts at the brain level. When we're talking about hormones, our hormones are only functioning according to the perception of the environment around us. So our brain sends signals to hormones, our hormones send messages everywhere else. So even something like progesterone or FSH, that's expression of the pituitary level of of the hormone, right? It starts at the brain. So can you expand on that? And, and what's the role there? 
Oh, it's, it's everything. Honestly, like I, um, I actually had a brain injury. Like I, I know you, you guys, the viewers can't see this, but like right at the top of my skull, which is your thyroid adrenal pituitary like area in the brain. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was causing this chronic low progesterone. And so mm-hmm. like no amount of supporting progesterone at a supplement level was going to fix that. I actually had to get neurofeedback. Um, to heal that specific injury. So we do see, uh, this might be a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I'm hoping it'll tie back in. In pregnancy, the pituitary gland actually swells and it doesn't always shrink after pregnancy. So that can be a huge reason for women why they will be like, why can't I get pregnant? Why am I having all these like low progesterone symptoms? Um, and, um, and then that obviously, you know, we, we can try supporting that in different ways, um, but understanding the role that the brain actually plays. So chronic stress is the biggest factor in this, I would say above and you can take probiotics, you can be eating probiotic rich foods, <laughs> mm-hmm. but if you have not addressed your, your trauma and the chronic stress in your life and your that parasympathetic, sympathetic uh, role or response, which I am currently working on several of those in different layers right now. Um, it will, you will get marginal improvement in that I would say. And so we have, you know, I have women that are like, they're like, I can do the probiotics. I can do the probiotic rich foods, but there's a lot, it it's like turning the Titanic, right. To really begin to look at the areas of our life where there is this chronic stress that we're storing in our body and the communicating with the pituitary gland because its only job is sensing survival at that point. Mm-hmm. And so we do have to, we do have to address that if we're wanting to really have, um, patterns. So um, neurofeedback can be very beneficial. I wouldn't say that everybody needs to have that. Um, but I would say it can be very beneficial, especially, you know, if we're doing all of the things like um, movement and, you know, doing some counseling or therapy to really like slow down that, um, fight or flight response or address the fight or flight response. Vagal nerve breathing, um, is huge. That can be extremely beneficial. Um, I'm sure we can like add some resources uh, in the show notes for that too. But, um, those are some ways that we can actually address, like kind of passively address, um, the pituitary gland, um, and support that so that when you do begin working on healing the gut brain connection and you do begin supporting progesterone, um, it actually has the communication pieces, um, yeah. in place to do that. Does that make sense? I don't know. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned head trauma. And I think it's important to note that <clears throat> head trauma, physical head trauma will show up on brain scans, much like emotional trauma. So yep. your brain responds similarly and your body's going to respond similarly. So whether you have physical head trauma, you've gotten a bad car accident, or you've got the actual emotional trauma, which could be resulting from physical that goes into a whole different (laughs) category of what trauma is. And that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, but I mean, it, it plays a role in all of your hormones functioning. And I even wonder now this could totally be, I knew this would be a fun conversation. We, for listeners, just so you guys know, we didn't have really an agenda of what we were going to talk about. I just knew Andrea was going to say some awesome things and I was going to pick her brain according to what she said. So here's where I'm going with it. Thank you. What about this yeah, is just, a, this is how my brain works. And this is just kind of a, a theory that I've had recently in regards to some things I've been reading. What about sexual trauma and how that impacts oh. hormone health and the way our hormones function? 
And because it's so connected, sexual trauma is injury to it is the reproductive system, the female parts. And so what does that do to the head that's also communicating to those same parts that were traumatized? Oh man, that's such a good question. Um, There is no way for it not to be connected. I'll start there because um, even if you're only, and I don't, I'm saying that in quotation marks because trauma is trauma, regardless of if it was only once or only, you know, playful touch between, you know, kids at a slumber party, your body doesn't actually know the difference. Threat mm. is threat. And so um, it's important to not minimize that experience. But I'm, I'm saying like, even if it was just that, um, the body is now wired to associate fear with those sensations in the body, right? And so there, it absolutely does um, not only store in the cells of the body, but they've actually done some studies on this. Um, I was researching this a couple months ago. They've done some studies on this that show that Um, women who have had sexual trauma, um, regardless, I mean, there's such a spectrum there, Mm -hmm, right? Whatever that looks like for you, um, are more likely to experience miscarriage. They're more likely to experience PMDD. They're more likely to experience postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, and they're still trying to figure out why that happens, but I think we know enough about trauma at this point and, the vagus nerve and, you know, where things get stored in our body to recognize that the body is going to protect itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these experiences that women have, um, we've, you know, I've seen it, um, in a couple of clients that were doing all the right things, right. They're doing all of the right things. They're doing all the different protocols and cleansing the liver and supporting the gut brain connection. Um, but if there was a resistance or, an unwillingness. And I, I, I use that word. It's not an, an, it's not an intentional unwillingness. That's what I'm trying to say. A resistance because it's painful to go there. Maybe that's a better way to say it. It's hard to go to those places. Um, if there was an inability to address, uh, the traumas there, I would, I just noticed that like, we're getting 80% of healing, but not that additional 20%. Mm-hmm. And which is why I love that just in the last year, I've been bringing that inner healing aspect mm-hmm. into it because there absolutely is a spiritual and emotional component to, um, I mean, I've had three miscarriages in between my girls and, there is, you know, there is no way for my body not to remember that. And so, um, just as a caveat, I actually, um, had some pelvic floor therapy in, it was awesome. It was one of the best experiences of my life, but I thought I was weeping during the exam and something that had never happened before, but all of a sudden I was able to connect the dots of why I was so uncomfortable at getting my, like my pap smear pelvic exam, um, because this person, Christina Tautman, of uh, the pelvic floor place in Vancouver, Washington, she is an incredible resource. Uh, but the reason I started weeping is because she's like, you know, she's doing her exam and she's, do you, you know, is there any reason why this muscle might be tight here? Like, it just feels kind of tight on the right side. And I just had this like kind of wild emotional experience where there was some trauma release and I did not mm. expect it. But I was like, she was so compassionate and she gave space for that experience. And so we, you know, if it's affecting me on a fascia level, on a muscle level, and those are wrapping around, giving this visual picture, um, right, then 
why would we think that it wouldn't also impact our hormones? Like we know that that's there from a clinical data perspective, but sometimes on a personal level, we forget that like, oh, this thing, you know, having a miscarriage, having to, you know, preterm labor, whatever that is for you, that would still be reproductive trauma. And so um, we've noticed that sometimes the body will shut. It's almost like that self-defensive mechanism. It's like, I'm not going to ovulate. I'm not going to produce progesterone because I don't want to go through this experience again. And so when we then take some time to address the emotional, spiritual aspect of that trauma, the body's able to like, let that defense mechanism down so that what we are doing nutritionally or from a lifestyle perspective can actually do its job. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And as you were talking, I thought this is a really great time to talk about um, how the uterus plays a role in memory, because I think that that's something that was uncovered about, it was like, I was just looking it up about 2018. They have this new study yep. that showed that um, removing the uterus will lead to quicker loss. cognitive decline. Yes. And memory it loss. Does. And so if we know that, and we can talk about hysterectomies and when they should or shouldn't happen in a minute, but I mean, think if you think about that, you think about miscarriage, you think about abortions, you think about any kind of sexual trauma that impacts, you know, that whole area Mm -hmm. and your memory, your body, it's the whole body keeps the score thing on every level. And so, um, that's, that's powerful. It is. And honestly, I will just say my post hysterectomy clients, um, they come to me typically with some pretty significant memory issues. Um, like I'm having a hard time focusing. It was like immediate after the surgery. At first I thought it was just like fatigue post anesthesia, but like, I'm forgetting things. Like, do I have Alzheimer's? And I'm like, no, like this is, there is a, a hormonal and biologic component that, that contributes to that. And so this is why I'm like at any cost, please, like at almost any cost, please keep your uterus <laughs> because it does play a vital role in how our brain functions, um, even well beyond menopause, because I think there's that idea, well, you know, we just get rid of the organ and then I'll be out of my misery. Right. But that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Um, like from a, from a biologic perspective. So, yeah. 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 Just removing the organ doesn't remove the issues that created the dysfunction. No, it's just going to go somewhere else. And, you know, the, the root cause dysfunction. So for example, if it's, you know, the liver metabolism, it's not metabolizing estrogen. So then you have all this excess estrogen that's converting to uh, aromatase, which that aromatase will then create tissue growth in, in the uterus or outside of the uterus. Um, that liver function or liver dysfunction is just going to manifest differently now that you don't have a uterus. Um, and so that might look like chronic fatigue. It might look like a lot of inflammation in the body. Um, it might look like gallbladder issues, um, digestive issues. It's just going to look different now that you don't have a uterus, but that root issue is still going to be there and it's still going to be a problem. So, yeah, that brings up so many, um, good points because I think that we're seeing an increase of women who are recommended having a hysterectomy even before they're 40. We're talking about women in their twenties and thirties, just mm-hmm. their periods are so yeah. bad. And there are so many, um, issues that it seems to be easier just to remove the organ than deal with what's causing the issues. Right. Yep. And I have a lot of sympathy 
for those women and compa- because right. you, know, you go to the physician, just like, get me out of this situation and give me relief from my problems. Totally. But I just, I'm more concerned about what, then, then what? And like you said, the people afterwards that are ha- experiencing memory issues and digestive issues and what's next, the gallbladder and, yeah. you know, all of those things. Absolutely. Well, and I think the disservices, and I can't even tell you like how many women I've worked with that after we have like our initial consultation, they go through this period of like grief and anger because they're like, my doctor never told me that I would feel this bad. Like they just told me that, you know, very similar to the conversation around birth control, it will solve all of my problems, but they don't tell you that it will basically like cut that communication between your gut brain axis, right? Um, it's going to, uh, cause some damage to your liver and all of these different things. I didn't know about that till I was like 27. And now I'm like putting all the pieces together as to why I was a hot mess for 10 years before then, you know? Um, and it's the same, it's the same thing. And so, um, I try to get to these women before that happens, but you know, it's, um, it, it's tricky. And also realizing that we can recover a lot, even if you've had a hysterectomy, there's a lot that we can do. Um, to get you back to, you know, feeling really good, um, even if that was not a great experience for you. And, you know, it led to a lot of dysfunction in the body, but we do want to try to catch that before if we, if we possibly can. Yeah. What do you think is the number one complaint that you're hearing from women currently? I I know you hear a lot of different things, but what's the most common thing? Right now, I would say, um, and I I know we kind of chatted about this, um, in DMS a while ago, it's actually anxiety and mood issues right now. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I would have said cramping and heavy periods and irregular periods, which was kind of a weird phenomenon last year, um, <laughs> that I, I have some theories about, but, um, but this year, especially since December, a lot of it is mood panic and anxiety, um, that's worse around ovulation. I mean, it's there as a baseline, right? It's there all the time. Um, but definitely seeing some of those peaks around ovulation and, um, and around their cycle, um, which leads me to wonder, you know, I wish we had like a little whiteboard, but it's like, we have the person, right. We have their environment and then we have like the global environment, right. Which Mm -hmm. is some other things that we can't really control, um, that I'm kind of wondering if, if that's playing a role or if it's just the chronic stress from the last three years of Mm -hmm. working, you know, like dealing with pandemic and a recession, um, that's just kind of tipped people over. Like Mm -hmm. you just get to that point where your, your body's not compensating anymore. So, uh, right now that's, um, probably the biggest thing. I can't even tell you how many messages I got last week, um, about panic and anxiety and insomnia. Mm -hmm. So I don't fully know like what the, what the pattern is there, but it is an interesting observation. Yeah, we had talked, there's a period where my husband, and I know I'm going through my own EMDR work, trauma work, all sorts of things that have popped up for me recently, right. for whatever reason, it's popped up this year, but it has. Yeah. And so I'm going through that. And I, but my husband, and I yeah. both, because he's, you know, that the nervous system co-regulation thing is strong in the middle of the night. If I'm not sleeping, he can tell I'm not sleeping. Or if he's not sleeping, I can yeah. tell he's not, he said one night totally. he reached out to grab my hand. And he said, he felt like the electricity just buzzing outside of my body because there was something going on. And that might sound woo woo to some listeners, but, um, every cell in your body is generating (laughs) frequencies, right? Like vibration. Yes. And this is just the way that our bodies are designed and made. And we can see this 
on all sorts of tests we can run to see what's going on. That's why we do brain scans and MRIs and, you know, all of that, we can see it, but just the right. fact that he could pick up on that was so interesting. And I do feel like there's, there are a lot of people Wild. who are just not sleeping well right now. And it's, yeah, it's no, interesting. it is. And I, I mean, someday we'll figure it out, but I, <laughs> I, I'm like, gosh, the no, I don't normally get I might get one every like two or three months that's having really significant um, insomnia and or panic attacks. Um, And the panic attacks seem to be very physiological right now, less emotional, much more in the body, Mm -hmm. adrenals, you know, something's going on there. Um, And so I'm like, this is really interesting, like just bizarre. So I don't fully know what, what the deal is with that. Um, I do think that a lot of people have been compensating for such a long time and now they're kind of at the end of the wick, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's sometimes we just don't realize it till we get to the end of that wick. And then we're like, okay, I got to change some things. So I do think for some people that is the case, but I also think there are some other things going on that we don't fully know what that is yet. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, you know, we can only run and survive off of stress chemicals for so long before we yep. tap out and then our bodies just screw done for help. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. done. I think that's totally. true for a lot of people. And unfortunately it, it can hit at really inconvenient times. hundred <laughs> percent. It's never, at, yeah, it's never at the right time. Never, never. Yeah. But I mean, th- this goes back to the symptoms that our, our bodies are sharing with us, are screaming at us with their indicators that we need to check our environment. And so even looking at, so we talked Absolutely. about like the number one issues your clients are dealing with right now. What would you say is um, the number one lifestyle concern that, that you see as kind of a red flag as to, Oh, maybe we need to work on this. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a really good one because it's actually something I've been reevaluating for myself. Um, I would say it's busyness. Number one, like, am I busy because my brain is craving some chaos, right? Because sometimes we don't realize that we're actually getting some dopamine from that, like addiction to chaos and stress. We do actually get like a positive hit from dopamine. And so then you get this nice reward, right. For your brain. And it doesn't recognize it's actually a stress reward. Um, and that's obviously impacting your adrenal glands. So I would say it's, it's the busyness and the, the, um, how would I describe it? Um, really, I would say, you know, and this is true for myself as well. It's that willingness to do something different, to come out of survival mode, mm. um, once you recognize that's happening. And so most of us don't realize that's happening until we hit a wall and our body starts like, alarming everything. Right. Um, but then we have to do that reevaluation of saying like, what are the things that are contributing to even like the micro stressors, like maybe doing homework while eating dinner, like, you know, having your kids do homework while eating dinner, that's not, you know, super conducive to a low stress time of day. Right. Or, um, feeling your calendar with things that, um, actually don't bring you joy or not creating any room for rest and relaxation. Um, and I know that when we're in that place, at least for me, it's very hard to, um, even know what I should be doing differently, even as a practitioner. And I think it's important to talk about that because we all have these blind spots, right. Um, and these areas where, you know, I actually had a friend that was like, Hey, what do you think about 
you know, if you just tweaked this little part of your day, like, and, you know, turn off your phone or, um, you know, it was just this small little tweak. And she's like, all you need to do is just, just pay attention to how your body feels. Don't change anything, but just develop that awareness of how your body's actually doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's that we, we've stopped tuning in, right. We've stopped checking in with ourselves. We've just, we're going with the motions of all the things that are on our plate. And, you know, for me, what that actually looked like, I would say like November through January, um, was my periods were just a little bit off, like not enough to warrant any kind of concern, but it was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. You know, it was like, started my period for a day and then stopped and then started. And I had that for a couple of months and I'm like, I should have tuned into that, <laughs> but I didn't because I had all of these other things going on. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I think it's that, I think it's that, and there's no shame in it. Right. Cause we're, we're human, but I think it's that, um, uh, usually if we look back, we can realize that it wasn't just this thing that popped up out of nowhere, right. Yeah. That's been developing maybe for a period of time, but for me, developing that awareness of how is my body feeling? Um, how am I actually handling these stressors and what can I do to shift that? Because this is not sustainable long-term and therefore my goals need to shift if this is what's happening because of how life is being managed. And I would just say, um, just bringing that back to my clients, um, like I said, we can do the probiotics. You can drink all your water. You can go for a 30 minute walk every day. But if we're not addressing the lifestyle stuff and those chronic stressors, it we're going to be stuck mm-hmm. and we're not going to get that healing that we're looking for. So hopefully that answered the question. I kind of went on. Oh, absolutely. There, but... Absolutely. That's so, so important. And I've been feeling just in recent weeks, just an extra need to rest, like mm-hmm. really just like certain time of the day. Yeah. Like I'm getting in my bed for a minute and I might mm-hmm. be reading. I might be, I don't know, just hanging out. <laughs> my kids yeah. come in, maybe they want to read with me, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to, a friend of mine, shout out to Hannah and Lindsay, two of them actually talk about taking to the bed. Are you a take to the bed person? And <laughs> <love> so <laughs> they both have said, yeah, I'm a take to the bed person. I'm like, oh, that's really hard for me to just say, yeah, I'm yep. gonna, it feels like giving up. Right. And I got things yeah. to do. Like you said, like I've got all sorts of but I'm so much better when I give my body a chance to just take a breather, totally. take to the bed. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Cause that's something that I have been, definitely been feeling as well. I think that's huge. And then with your, I re- real quick want to touch on, um, I know we're at the end here, your work with the inner healing. Um, cause I know you're yeah. sharing about that more on Instagram and all of that. And I, and I'd love for listeners to just get a chance to learn a little bit more about what you do and what that looks like. Cause you're covering some really important topics. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I really just felt like this big shift in, um, November. Well, it's probably October or November where it was just like this fire got lit under my butt to start talking about this. Um, and not even, not even really talking talking about my own story as much as just these topics that, um, are not really being talked about as much as I feel like they should be. Right. Um, and you know, I work, um, I do inner healing and deliverance ministry, uh, with our local church. So I'm very much involved there. Um, and you know, a lot of that comes from my personal inner healing, uh, experience, right. That really led me to start doing that kind of ministry. Um, but really it's just this, um, really seeing the need uh, for people to understand like the role, you know, it's the role of our mind, our body and our spirit. And 
Um, when we have physical issues that affects all of us, when we have spiritual issues that affects all of us. And so, um, so what that looks like for me is obviously I do classes, I do different, you know, breakthrough workshops and stuff like that. But in a one-on-one session, my only goal is what, what kind of questions do I need to ask to connect them to the Godhead? So father, God, Jesus, and Holy spirit. I am a Christian. That's part of my background. Um, and how does God want to interact with them through whatever they're going through? So it's not so much like I'm here to fix all of your problems. I'm here to connect you to the one that can, um, and help you maybe to see the things that you're not seeing. Um, and sometimes, well, I shouldn't say sometimes every time that involves some element of forgiveness, um, and forgiving ourselves, forgiving Mm -hmm. others, forgiving God, even for our perceptions Mm -hmm. of, things that we expected that didn't turn out right. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, addressing trauma is a big part of that. Um, and, you know, and really learning how to do that from of compassion and empathy and not, you know, like I'm not in there to take you any farther than you can safely go. Yeah. Um, and so we want that to be a really safe experience as well. And so, um, it's really about connecting them with the one that has all of the information about their life and their purpose and their destiny and their healing and knowing that God's going to show up in that place for them. So, uh, that's more what that looks like on a, you know, on a one-to-one basis. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's just interesting. I, I, cause I know I've gone there myself, just looking at the physical issues and the functional medicine approach to healing and all of that is really, really great, but it's not primary, right? It's right. still secondary to yep. that, uh, the spirit side of things and the yep. soul care that we need and the nourishment Absolutely. That we need there. And so I'm glad that you are addressing that because I think that, um, it's just another piece of the puzzle that, that needs to be addressed for sure. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I love it and I'm not ashamed to talk about it. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, um, that's, that's about all that I think I have on, on the, on the non-agenda agenda, Yeah, right. (laughs) but this has been so good. And so I just want listeners to be encouraged. Um, why don't you share your Instagram with listeners that way they can follow you, reach out to you, work with you if they need to. Absolutely. Yes. So you can follow me. Um, Instagram is definitely the easiest place to get in touch with me. Um, it's at abundant wellness with Andrea. Um, and so you can browse, you know, browse through that, click the link in my bio. I've got a ton of resources in there. Um, shoot me a DM or, or an email. Um, any of those work really well. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, just having the understanding that you are not crazy for your, for your symptoms, not being supported. You're not crazy for what you're experiencing. Um, yes, there, there can be some medical gaslighting, but there are always other people to look, look for, to work with. There are always other options. And Andrea, you are a great option, a great resource. And I'm so glad that we connected and we can have these conversations. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So thanks again for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.